You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Um, Let's open up to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 2. And uh, this will be on the screen, as always. I invite you, if you would, to stand with me as we read this scripture. Sorry, a lot of standing up, sitting down. It's all right. Keep you alive. (laughs) The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity and the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. You may be seated. Now, when I read this scripture, when I read this scripture for the first few times, um, the one verse that stood out to me, kind of like, like most prophecies in the Old Testament, is this verse 6. Maybe it stood out to you too. Is, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. That's like the one that stands out among the rest because it's so clearly uh, obvious that, that this is the fulfillment of a prophecy, right? Um, a child was born to us. Great. But if we get too caught up in that one little verse, we'll, we'll uh, too easily breeze over all the rest of what Isaiah is saying here. And there's some really good stuff in here. Okay, there's a lot more going on here than just the, the birth of a child. So that's what I want to kind of uh, summarize for you here in case you missed it. Here's what Isaiah is saying. He's saying that uh, in a world of darkness, um, which is the same now as it, as it was then, a light will shine. This light is a type of hope. This hope will come, yes, in the form of a child, but this child won't just be any child. He'll be a king. And this king will establish a kingdom here on earth, and it's a kingdom that will be defined by peace and justice and righteousness and fairness and equality. This king will put an end to divisiveness and oppression and violence and injustice and inequality forever. That's the type of kingdom that he's talking about here. And he says, in case you doubt it, the passionate commitment of the one true God is committed. He is committed to making this happen. Now, in short, there will be a day when humans live together in joy and peace and harmony forever here on earth. And I want to emphasize the here on earth aspect of it because um, I have a tendency to, to, when I I read um, promises like this from God, 
to, to view this as like the, the heaven, the, the afterlife, this very uh, super spiritual, supernatural, far away, distant type of place. Um, but th- that's not the type of place that Isaiah is envisioning here. He's envisioning humans living here on earth forever in joy and peace and harmony, right? No more conflict among human beings here on earth. And it would be a mistake for us to, to over-spiritualize what he's saying here, all right? This, this is the promise of God. Now, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist or a theologian or whatever to, to look at a text like this and realize that either uh, Isaiah was, was very wrong or this hasn't happened yet. Oh, yeah, a child was born to us. We got that part down. But the rest of this, it, ha- it hasn't, hasn't happened yet. It has not come to completion yet, has it? And I, I don't think it, it, it takes a year like 2017 either, you know, with, with mass shootings and, and uh, sex scandals and just you could go on and on with the list for us to know um, that this hasn't happened yet. We can just look at our own lives. It's in our own families. It's in our own our, our marriages, our um, relationships with our, our friendships. It's in our workplace. As humans just aren't very good at getting along. And it begs the question then for me, God, what are you waiting for? It's been like 2,600 years since this prophecy was given. Christ has come once. God, what are you waiting for? When will this kingdom come? And it reminds me of this, uh, this text that I think is really important. And it's going to kind of drive the rest of this message. It's a text from Luke 17 that I'm just going to, I'm going to paraphrase. And uh, there's this religious leader that asks Jesus, he says, Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Same question we're asking. When is this kingdom going to come? Because the Jewish people, remember, they had this text for hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. They're looking forward to a, a king who comes and establishes this nation here on earth and conquers all the other nations and there's peace and prosperity. That's what they're looking forward to. And he says, Jesus, when will this kingdom come? And Jesus says, look, it's already here. It's already among you. Or it's already within you. It's kind of a couple different ways to translate that. But that's Jesus' response. And it's an interesting response from Jesus because um, there's this reality, right, that, that this uh, utopian vision that, that God has for humanity and that he's committed to bringing about, he's committed to bringing to reality, it is not possible until Jesus returns. Like, I'm talking like, on, like coming on the clouds from heaven uh, type of judgment day return for good. That's... That's really the only way this could possibly uh, be established forever. But Jesus doesn't say, well, you just have to wait. When this guy asks, when, when will the kingdom come? He, says, he doesn't say, oh, you just got to wait till I, I die and am raised and then come back again a, a few thousand years later, a hundred thousand. You know, who knows when Jesus is going to return? I, um, but he doesn't say that. He says, no, the kingdom is already among you. The kingdom is already within you. And to me, what Jesus is trying to communicate here is that um, although maybe the full realization of of this promise is something that we'll have to wait for, um, it is not something, this kingdom is not something that we have to sit idly by and wait for. It is not. This kingdom was birthed 
at the birth of its king, Jesus Christ. And that king was a guy who was answering this man, saying, look, I am right here in the midst of you, and so is this kingdom, and it is readily available to you at any time. This peace can define your relationships and your life and your friendships and your family and your workplace. It's available. ...of the kingdom of God. There are no bats. This is going to sound maybe a little weird. I'm going somewhere with this. And by bats, yes, I, do, I mean the creepy, blind, uh, flapping, flying rats that come from caves. Uh, bats, I hate bats. In my version of the kingdom of God, there are no bats. Last Sunday, there was a bat in the fellowship center. How many of you were there? Raise your hand. if you. Yeah, only just a few of you. Okay. There was a bat in the fellowship center last Sunday. And uh, this, was, this was in between, I think, the 820-940 service or something like that. And uh, I'm trying to keep it cool, all right? I'm um, not okay with this. Um, I'm doing the whole, like, like kind of talking to people, um, acting like I'm going to maybe do something about it, even though there's literally no chance that I'm going to go close to that thing. Like, if you put me in charge of, of getting the bat out of the sanctuary, it will be there till the day that the Lord returns. I, I am not... I am not going close to that bat, absolutely not. And so it needed to be removed, right? Um, the, place, the place is in chaos. There's grown men that are like crying and screaming and running in circles. It was just, it was mayhem out there. There was no peace in the fellowship center. And so conveniently, I had to go to the bathroom um, and I forgot about it until Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday is when we do our staff meetings and I'm meeting with some of the, the staff and I say, oh, Wait, whatever happened to that bat? I just I forgot about it. And uh, and David, this the, he's one of the other preachers on staff and our director of outreach. David Freeman, he goes. Uh, I walked up to it with a towel. I grabbed it. I took it out back and I released it over and over and over and over. <laughs> and David took care of it. David took care of the bat. And I said, you know, David, that is incredible. You did what you needed to do. Because I couldn't have done that. You restored peace to the fellowship center. <laughs> Praise God. That's right. Thanks, thanks, Jen. Now, in this story, David is the model Christian. All right, he saw the issue. He saw the bat that was disturbing the peace. He didn't wait until the day that the Lord returns to get rid of the bat. He didn't push off his responsibility to someone else. He realized that he was capable. He had no fear, and he went up and he grabbed the bat, and he dealt with it. In this story, I am not the model Christian. I'm the guy who says, um, I just want to have this, this inner peace, you know, this, this, that sweet inner peace with, with Jesus and just, just remove myself from the situation. Someone will take care of it. It'll, it'll be fine, right? So I ditch my responsibility for restoring peace to the fellowship center. And the moral of this story, the moral, is that this, doesn't, this world doesn't need more Christians who have peace. This world needs more Christians who make peace. Right? This world uh, doesn't need Christians who, who see and, and recognize the bat, the, the problems, all the problems with society and the problems with relationships and just complain about it or avoid it or whatever. This, this world needs Christians who see and address the situation 
and take care of it. This world needs Christians, needs Christians who make peace, who do the very work of Christ. It needs Christians who are willing to follow the example of Christ, who, who gave his life to restore peace with his own enemies. And these Christians who are willing to, to sacrifice their, their, their pride and their anger and, and their resentment and their bitterness and their judgments and their whatever, just leave them at the door for the sake of peace so that the kingdom of God, which is within us, the invisible kingdom of God, which is within us, might become the visible kingdom of God around us. That our families and that our workplaces, um, our friendships, all of it, that they might be an example of what God intends for this whole world to look like. And that's the work that can begin now. And that's the challenge uh, I'm casting abroad this Christmas. Um, that's the challenge is to identify the, the bats in your life, those things that are wreaking havoc in your relationships. To get rid of them. The gift is the gift of God in Jesus Christ himself.